Hannah did well, didn't she? Really, really good. So, great. If you are aged between 11 and 14, um, your group starts now. So if you head to the back, look for people that look your sort of age and follow them out. Um, You're going to have a great, great time together. If you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to Acts chapter 9. For those of you who are sharp, you'll think, Acts chapter 9, we were there last week. Have, have, we, not, have we not moved on at all since then? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 9, um, but looking at a different aspect of the same account. So last week we looked at the whole um, subject of Saul and his incredible dramatic conversion. We, we looked at the heart of the gospel. We looked at the fact that it was an encounter with Jesus. It was about seeing Jesus clearly. We looked at the process that was involved, that although it was a dramatic encounter, we saw how God had been working into Saul's life before that. And actually how, how, how God then used Ananias after it as well in the whole process. And then we looked, um, we did uh, uh, heart of it, we did process, and then we did purpose at the end. And we saw actually, just as for Saul, one of the purposes of his conversion was actually just to tell other people about Jesus. So it's true for us as well. One of the reasons we are still here on earth and we're not up in heaven with Jesus Christ is because there's a whole load of people that need to hear about him. And although, although God may use visions and angelic visitations and things like that, and in the Muslim world he, he, he does use those a lot, actually in Hastings in 2017, the primary way people are going to come to find out about the love of Jesus Christ is through us. It's through us. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look again at exactly the same verses that we looked at before. But rather than focusing on Saul, we're going to focus on the the other person who is mentioned in here, Ananias. So we're going to look at Ananias. We're going to look at what lessons can we learn about him? What can we learn from ourselves in connection with this? But before we do that, I'm going to pray. And some of you are looking a little sleepy. You know, it's quite nice and warm in here. So I think I've not yet seen anyone sleepy sleep when they're standing up. So if you can all stand up, that would be great. Actually, what we could do is I could preach, you can stand up. And then that way I can guarantee. So if you can all stand up, I'm going to pray for you. Lord God, we want to come before you today. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being able to worship you. And experience your closeness in such a tangible way as we have this morning. We love the fact that although we come to worship you to glorify and lift your name up high. That you care about us. And you come meet with us where we're at. And minister to our souls. And we we love that Lord God. I just pray please would you enable me by the empowering of your Holy Spirit. To speak well this morning. I pray, Lord, that the words I say would live. I pray, Lord God, that your word would be sharper than a double-edged sword, that it would really impact. And I ask you, we'd walk out changed. I pray we'd walk out here, 
this morning having made decisions to do things differently. Having freshly committed our lives to you. I pray we'll walk out of here being filled afresh with you, Holy Spirit. With a new level of confidence and boldness. Maybe with unblocked ears and open hearts. Lord God, would you come and have your way, I pray. In your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. You may sit down, that's great, thanks. I'm going to mix it up a little bit um, this morning from what I had planned. So what I'm going to do to start with is I'm going to simplify it down. I'm going to, uh, we're going to read the passage in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to stop on the way through and just explain what is going on and make comments about what I notice in the passage. And then I'm going to look at three uh, particular things that I have noticed as to why God could use Ananias. And... I want to provoke you to see, can God use you? Are you open to God using you? Will you respond in the same way um, that Ananias did? So let's read it together. Acts chapter 9 verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, that's basically any Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, I just want to firstly just highlight what's going on in verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. I don't know if you've ever thought about that phrase. Take a big breath in, and now out. The phrase that Luke uses to describe what is coming out of Saul's mouth is as though every time Saul... um, Uh, breathes out. He's breathing out words of threat and murder against the church. That is a very powerful phrase. Luke is not not trying to, Luke is is trying to here emphasise the passion that Saul had against the early church. Saul, as he leaves for Damascus, his life is consumed with a hatred for Christians. You would not have wanted to have met him. And what he had been doing in Jerusalem just before this is basically going from house to house, looking for Christians, and if he found them, he dragged them off before the high priest and he put them in prison. He was breathing out threats and murder. He was consumed with a hatred against Christians. This is 
This is what is going on in Saul at this point in time. And he obviously gets to a point in Jerusalem, I don't know if you thought about this, he gets to a point in Jerusalem where he's been pretty good at what he's doing. And he decides he's not going to stay in Jerusalem anymore, so he goes to the high priest and he asks for letters so that when he goes to Damascus, he can do exactly what he's been doing in Jerusalem in Damascus. Which is basically, he's going to search for Christians, he's going to get them all together, and he's going to drag them on the three-day journey back from Damascus to Jerusalem to bring them before the high priests in Jerusalem and put them on trial. That's, that's the plan. That's exactly what he is planning to do. And if it were not for this incredible um, intervention of Jesus Christ, that is exactly what Saul would have done. That's, that's what he left with. It's absolutely, I mean, that's, that is so important that we understand that if we're going to understand the next bit of the story and everything that happened. Now, in verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, just again, just to take this verse here. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. We don't really know much about this guy, Ananias. He only appears for the 10 verses in this section here. So he sort of appears on the scene. We know very little about him other than his name, that he was a disciple. So that basically means he was a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a learner of Jesus Christ. The only badge he had to wear was disciple. Wasn't an apostle, wasn't an evangelist, wasn't a pastor teacher, wasn't some incredible miracle worker. He didn't have any of those badges. He just had the same badge that all of us have got here if we're followers of Jesus. Disciple. He was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we don't know, do we? We don't really know. We don't know if he was married. We don't know what he did for a job. He just lived in Damascus. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. He has a vision. Now, the difference between a vision and a dream is with a dream you're sleeping, so God can speak to us through dreams, but he can also speak to us through visions as well. So we're awake, but we have a picture in our mind's eye. It can either be a static picture or a moving picture, and God can use it to speak to us. And again, so I know I'm, I'm just sort of, highlighting the obvious but I I suppose I just want to provoke you by this because we can read these things so quickly and miss stuff Ananias has a vision and what do you notice about it he immediately recognises who it is that's speaking to him he recognises that it is the Lord now I don't know about you because I've had one or two visions I haven't had very many But most of the time I'm trying to work out whether it was the cheese last night or whether it's God speaking to me. But Ananias here, he immediately recognises that it's God speaking to him. You know, in the Old Testament, God appeared to Samuel in a dream, 
But Samuel wasn't experienced in these things, so he went to Eli because he thought it was Eli that was calling him. But actually, with Ananias here, he immediately knows who it is that's speaking. So he's having no battle on, is this God or not? He just says, here I am, Lord. Now, where, where, where poor Ananias has a problem is what God asks him to do. And basically what he's saying, isn't it, is to go to Saul, this murderer of Christians, and in some ways hand yourself over to him. Now, you've probably heard it said because I've said it myself and I'm wondering if I shouldn't say this sort of thing, you know. Have you heard things like the Holy Spirit is a bit of a gentleman? You know, that God will want to work in connection with you and he won't want to push you too far. I'm not certain that Ananias would agree with me. Because God clearly says to Ananias to do something that is pretty outrageous and very, very difficult. He's going to go to this guy called Saul. And you'll notice that Ananias knows who he is. The Christians in Damascus were expecting him. They had heard through the grapevine that this Saul was on his way here. I think they were worried. I think Ananias would have been afraid. Oh, and by the way, how long do you reckon Ananias had been a Christian? Under three years. Because this is three years after, under three years after the death of Christ. So, so he wouldn't have been that experienced. Just sort of pretty new Christian. But he recognised God's voice. And then he goes, well, let's read the rest of the story. We, we, we know it, we read it last week. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man and how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles to kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. I mean, if I'd been Ananias, I might have argued a bit longer. Do you know what I mean? I thought he was pretty good. He responded fairly quickly there. So Ananias departed and he entered the house. How do you think Ananias felt as he entered the house? Scared. I bet he was petrified. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose, was baptised and taking food, he was strengthened. God used Ananias. And God wants to use you. The title, if I'd sort of worked through my notes as I'd planned to in preparation, was um, Did You Make the Team Sheet? You know, did you make God's team sheet? Does he want you in his team? And the absolute answer is yes, you have. The moment you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you made the team sheet. You, you are there. The question is, is, do you want to be involved in the team? Do you want to play an active role? Ananias was available to God. 
He was, I mean, reality is he was probably just having his normal quiet time, poor guy. You know, sat down, Bible open, sat by the window. I'm going to do a little bit of praying. I might do a bit of worship. I'm going to, I'm going to read some of the Old Testament scriptures. I don't know. And God appears in a vision to him. And he responds and God uses him powerfully. What, what made Ananias useful to God? Why could God use Ananias? And I just want to highlight three things to you that I believe are still important for us today. Now, we, we at the early morning prayer meeting this morning at 7 o'clock, I think had a prophetic, well, we had a prophetic word, and I think it's, it ties in so well with what I'm sharing today. It's about us crossing a line. It's about us stepping into new territory. It's about us taking more ground for God. And I think the critical part for that is how we respond to God and his call on our lives. It's how we respond to what he is telling us to do. So why could God use Ananias? Three very simple things. First thing is this. Ananias was listening to God. The Lord spoke to him and gave him an instruction. He was obviously pretty familiar with hearing God's, God's voice. He didn't go to the wrong place. He said, Lord, I am here. He wasn't too busy to listen. He wasn't too judgmental to obey. Oh, I'm not going to, that's Saul. He, he, deserve, he doesn't deserve to be saved. He was available. He listened to God's voice. He knew God's voice. Can I just ask you a very simple question? When did you last hear God's voice? When did you last hear him speaking to you? Now, God speaks to us through various ways, through preaching on a Sunday, through conversations that we can have with friends, through what we read in the Bible on our own as the Holy Spirit highlights things to us. Um, as we read Christian books and we understand truths for the first time and the Holy Spirit reveals it, and it's as though, wow, right on the inside you suddenly understand a fresh something you'd never seen before. God speaks to us in many ways. God speaks to us through visions. God speaks to us through an inner small voice. If I was to ask you to turn to your neighbour and say, when did God last speak to you? Disciple. Disciple. Not apostle. Not evangelist. Not church elder. But no, just a disciple like Ananias. Do you know his voice? Because he's speaking all the time and he wants you to hear. And he wants to have that level of relationship with you where he speaks to you and you know and you follow his promptings on a day-by-day basis. You, you may, God may not ask you to do things as bold and massive and wacky as Ananias did. But he still wants to speak to you. He still wants you to learn how to hear his voice. How good are you hearing his voice? It's for you, disciple, follower of Jesus. For you to develop that relationship with your Father in heaven. It's for you. The second thing I notice about Ananias. Why could God use Ananias? Because he was courageous. Long and short of it. He was courageous. I've used this quote before. I like it a lot. I like it so much I wish I'd written it myself. But I didn't. Nelson Mandela wrote it. I learned that courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. 
I think Ananias was petrified before he walked into that, that into Judas's house on the street called Straight. I think he was petrified. But he was courageous as well. He stepped out in courage. No disciple of Jesus ever wanted to meet Saul. He didn't know the Damascus Road experience had happened. Well, other than God had told him. And if you're anything like me, when God's speaking to me, I'm sort of always weighing up and trying to work out. I've got to learn much more to be obediently follow. But, but Ananias stepped out in such incredible courage. I mean, I wonder if Ananias was a refugee from Jerusalem. I mean, it says, doesn't it, when the persecution broke out in Jerusalem, they were scattered. That was one of the reasons Saul wanted to go to Damascus, was to find out if there were any believers there and bring them back. I wonder, had, had, had Ananias already experienced some of the persecution? Did he know family and friends that had already been rounded up? Hastings will be reached as his church clothes itself with greater courage. Bexhill will be reached as his church clothes itself with greater courage and steps into the things we already have and are ours. We're not waiting for the kingdom of God to come. It has arrived. We are those that we are in the kingdom and we carry the kingdom. And Brian brought this prophetic word, as I said before, about crossing the Jordan, going into the promised land. Absolutely right. But in the end, it took the people of Israel to courageously pack their bags. One person by a time and cross over into a land that was inhabited by enemies. It took Ananias to go from where he was praying. I mean, how easy? I don't know, would you have done this? Well, look, I don't know, God, if it is you speaking, so I'm just going to pray a little bit longer. You know, rather than have my normal half an hour, I'm going to extend it to an hour. Then I may, I may fast about it as well tomorrow. And I may leave it a few more days and see if it's still settling. Then I might go to Judas's house and see if Saul is still there. Oh, praise God, he's left. But, but he didn't, did he? He clothed himself with courage. Church, we need to clothe ourselves with courage. How many opportunities will we get this week to make a difference to bring the kingdom? We've got to step into it. What would have happened if Ananias had not gone? I don't know. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe God is in control. But Ananias definitely played a part. I mean, I guess if Ananias hadn't gone, he would certainly have missed out on the joy of being involved in this amazing story and telling his grandchildren about this amazing day when he met the apostle Paul, Saul, met Saul, and blind eyes were opened. So I'm lingering too long. And the last thing was he was full of faith. You know, faith comes from hearing the word of God. So faith comes from reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit makes it live to us. Faith also comes when God speaks to us. We hear it, we grasp it, we own it and we step out. I don't know if you noticed, but 
this three-year-old Christian. And so this is, I suppose I just want to say, it challenges me. Wow. This three-year-old Christian, he goes into Judas's house where Saul is. He says, you know, this, this, is, this is a statement of intent. What does he say? So Ananias, de- uh. so Ananias departed. He entered the house, laying his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that's not a bad, that's not a bad statement, is it? I'm here so you will have your sight regained and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes and does the stuff. He does, he prays for him and something like scales falls from his eyes. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Saul goes and gets baptised. Not a pastor in sight. Not a pastor anywhere. He just, he just gets on and does the kingdom stuff. Just a normal disciple. Like me. Like you. But he knew God's voice when he spoke. He was a man who had chosen a courageous path. And he was a man because he'd heard the word of God. Faith grew in his heart and as he stepped out, God turned up and blessed what he did. How about for you? How about for me? I I personally find the stuff in here a lot less terrifying than the stuff out there. God wants to use you. Ananias isn't just here as like a one-off. I think he's here as a provocation, as a challenge to us. Most of the book of Acts is about the big apostles like Peter and Paul and some pretty incredible deacons like Stephen and Philip and people like that. But this here, this Ananias, he's just like me and you. Saved by the grace of God, equipped by the grace of God. But he knew God's voice. He was a man who clothed himself with courage and he knew what it was to step out in faith. And God wants to use you. Also, just interesting to know, a couple of little points just as we close because then we're going to break bread together. Um, This wasn't a church project. Do you notice that? He, he, didn't, he didn't hear this and then go to, sorry, and, and church projects are good. We do lots of them, they're, they're good to do. But he didn't go and set a project up. He just went and did the stuff. There is a place for church projects. There is a place for things like Tots Club that we do on a Tuesday. Absolutely brilliant. And Link Lunch and Food Bank and different things that we do. They're, they're so, so important. So I don't want to say, say they're not, they're not um, good. They are brilliant. Because it's something of the body working together, the church working together that displays the glory of God. But there's also something just in a Christian on their own obeying the voice of God and bringing the kingdom into their world. And the reality is we can't set a project up for every workplace that is represented here. We can't set a project up for every family that is represented here. But you are here and you are there. And God has equipped you to bring the kingdom into your place. The reason we are planting into Bexhill is because we are passionate to see the 40,000 people there better served and reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will do that through setting up some projects. And we will run some church meetings and some church services. And we'll do all of that because it's important and it's good. But we're also going to reach Bexhill 
as you talk to your neighbour and you share something of the love of Jesus Christ with them. We need both and. When we talk about being a church that wants to care for the poor, yes, we're going to set up and run projects that care for the poor. But actually, my ambition goes deeper than that. It's that our hearts individually are impacted that we care for the poor. That you care for the poor. That when you watch the news, when you hear what is going on in the next door's house, when you pass the person that's been sleeping rough for the last year, that you're moved by compassion. And the first emotion is compassion, not not judgmentalism, not judgment. It's about what goes on in our hearts as well as what we do together corporately. It is so very, very much so important. God wants to use you. He has a plan for you. Are you hearing his voice? Are you going to clothe yourself afresh with courage even this week? Are you going to give time and space for faith to rise up in your heart as you hear his voice, as you hear his promises? If I could ask the band to come back up, that would be brilliant. I'm just going to pray. (laughs) Stewards, if I can ask you to get the bread and wine ready, that would be great as well. Why don't we stand? Would it be all right, if I'm not being cheeky here, could I set you some homework? Yeah, you, you're right for a bit of homework? Yeah. To be honest, you're about as enthusiastic as my boys when they get homework at school. But that doesn't matter. I'll, I'll go with it. I'll man up. I'll pretend I'm a teacher. So, can you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then read 1 Corinthians chapter 13? This week. It'll take you about 10 minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 followed by 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And that will just talk about the fact that the church is a body, that we've all got a part to play, and that as we do that, the most important thing is we clothe ourselves in love for one another in the church. Just read that. Allow God to speak to you for it. Lord, I thank you you've got a plan for every single one of us. I thank you that you've made us unique and different. I thank you there has never, ever been another Ananias who's been born. He was unique. He had purpose and plans that you used him for in his day. I thank you the same is true for us right now. And I ask you right now, if we've got ears that are a bit blocked up by busyness, they're a bit blocked up by sin and rebellion, they're a bit blocked up just because we feel it's hopeless, that, that I've never really ever done anything for God, I'm sure. I pray, would you even now supernaturally start removing some of those blockages that we might hear your voice afresh, that we might might give space for faith to rise afresh in our hearts for all you're calling us to do. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came on the Father's purpose, that you fulfilled the Father's plan in bringing redemption to mankind. And I thank you, it's because you've done that, that we can follow you, that we have a plan, that we have a purpose. 
Lord, we say as we break bread together this morning, Lord, we remember, Jesus, that what it cost you that we might be able to live for you. We remember your blood that was spilt. We remember your body that was broken, that we can have life, that we can be part of your body, that we can be part of your church. And we say this morning, we are here for you. The moment we gave our lives to you, we were never our own ever since. We've been yours. And so we say as we take the bread and we take the wine, we are available for you. Use us for your purposes, for your glory. We say we're a people that want to hear your voice. We're a people that choose to respond in courage. We're a people that want to respond in faith to you. So have your way, we pray. Fill us afresh of your Holy Spirit. Freshly equip us for the purposes and plans you have for us, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.